welcome to the Seattle Coffee Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Pat, and joining me this week is you, sort of. This week, it's just me. I am here to answer some of your most frequent questions. Um, These are questions that we get all the time about all kinds of different uh, machines and uh, coffees and products, and I just figured it would be nice to take a little bit of time to answer some questions, and I thought I'd try doing it solo. Um, You know, we love to preferably have um, different hosts on the show, but we haven't tried a solo podcast, and some podcasts that I personally really like um, just have a single host, so I wanted to give it a shot for doing some Q&A for everybody out there in the coffee world. So before we get into that, usually we talk about whatever kind of gear or uh, coffee or whatever is exciting us. And um, this week, I really wish that I could tell you what that is, but unfortunately, I can't. Um, we There is something that I'm very excited about uh, that will be um, that is very coffee related that is going to be uh, very Seattle coffee gear related uh, in the future. But unfortunately, it is a secret. So um I'm being a bit of a tease here, but make sure you keep your eyes peeled for uh, cool stuff coming to Seattle Coffee Gear soon because uh, it's very, very good. And I'm excited for you to see what I'm talking about. And I'll be sure to uh, mention what that is when we can finally talk about it. So um, other than that, I am still enjoying some of our newer coffee releases. Um, We have some very, very good stuff coming to the catalog soon. Um, I'm going to take a look here and remind myself some of these uh so we have some coffees coming from um, camber and onyx wonder state uh, equator 49th parallel like lots of roasters that we haven't heard a lot from this year uh just coming out with a bunch of stuff all at once that is really good um some of its blends and seasonal stuff some of it is um specific single origins um i would keep an eye out for all of them because they're they're very, very good. Um, without any further ado, let's get into some of these questions. Uh, I'm excited to answer them because I get to talk about them sometimes on video, sometimes on the blog, but I rarely get to like give a lot of answers to them all at once. Some of these are things that we may have talked a little bit about on previous episodes of the podcast, but figured it would be good to put them all in one place succinctly. So... Let's dig into that. It might be a little bit of a shorter episode today because of it, but um, we'll see. Might, some of these might be a little bit uh, meatier as well. So let's get going. So the first one that I have here is, do super autos make drip coffee? So the answer to this is um, a no. If you listen to our super auto episode, you know that super autos are, um, super automatic espresso machines are machines that you put whole beans in, they have a grinder inside, They grind the beans and then they pull a shot for you uh, all as one kind of automatic process after you push a couple of buttons. So do super autos make drip coffee? They do not because drip coffee is just a totally different thing than what a super auto is doing. The super auto is tightly designed to uh, do that process of pulling shots over and over again uh, to in in a consistent way. And Drip coffee is just a totally different thing, right? You know, it's a filter with um, a little bit coarser grind and uh, water passing through it and just basically using gravity to drip through the coffee in the filter. 
So for a super auto, you're not, you don't have the room to kind of make that happen. It doesn't have the variability in the grinder to grind for the correct setting. And the water is pumped in. It doesn't just have a sort of gentle flow option like you get from, uh, from a drip coffee brewer. So what you can do, and what I do frequently with a super automatic, is you can push, they usually have, they'll call it a coffee button, but really what it is, is it is a long shot of espresso. So you push the button and um, it pushes more water through the espresso shot, which means that you're going to get a diluted shot that isn't going to be as strong as a standard espresso shot. Uh, and it tends to approximate coffee. It's a lot different than an Americano, which is hot water added to espresso, because in this case, you're still pulling the water through the coffee grounds. So you're still getting a... I don't even necessarily want to call it stronger shot than or, or flavor than you would get from an Americano, um, but it's just different, uh, and it, it 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 sort of approximates a drip coffee, and um, and and tastes pretty good. In some cases, you may find that you like it even more than your standard drip coffee. So even if you do love drip coffee, it's worth giving one of those Lungo shots a try uh, to see if it uh, if it works for you and if it is something that you can live with uh, for the convenience of having a super auto to, to not have to do all the grinding and brewing yourself. So the next question that I have here on the list is, how do I make latte art? This one is a tough one for me to answer because I'm really bad at latte art. Uh, it's a careful skill that you acquire over lots and lots of practice. Uh, but the key thing that I can tell you is that in order to make latte art, you need really good milk. You need milk with a really good texture. So the way that you do this, and we have some videos on our YouTube, if you go take a look, that are going to be... Um, a little more demonstrative because they're videos, obviously, but uh, you want to make sure that you are taking your pitcher with your milk and that it's a good shape, good amount of milk in there, plenty of room to the top, uh, but enough milk for your drink. And you're going to start your steam wand and then you're going to plunge uh, the wand. You're going to start the wand like as it's about to touch the milk and then quickly plunge it in is what I do to avoid a mess. If you start it while it's already in the milk, it can just spray milk all over the place, um, which isn't going to hurt the drink, but it might make a mess. Um, and then you're going to kind of get a little bit of, uh, of, of heat going in there, and then you're going to slowly draw the wand um, by moving the pitcher down up to the top of the milk, and you're trying to create a sort of whirlpool effect, and right at the top of the milk, what you're doing is you're incorporating air into the top of the milk to create a really um, silky um, microfoam. And uh, you're going to do that for a little bit. You're going to be drawing the pitcher down a little bit as you make this microfoam because it's going to kind of make the um, the, the milk uh, seem – it's going to fill the pitcher more because you're incorporating the air, right? Um and then once you have your milk at the texture you want, you're going to plunge that uh, that steam wand back to the near the bottom, not at the bottom, but but closer to the bottom of the pitcher, and uh, and let it let it heat, hit the temperature you want. Um, lots of people use thermometers for this. I actually just feel it. Um, I used to steam milk when I worked as a barista pretty frequently, as you might guess, and I just kind of learned to feel. For me, it's it's a, when it gets a little bit too hot for me to comfortably touch the metal pitcher, 
Um, that's when usually uh, it is at around the 165 that you want. Um, so, yeah. Uh, from there, the poor part is where I'm never good at it, but um, you're going to be doing, you know, consistent pours with a little bit of wrist movement and um, a little movement of the cup uh, in order to create different latte art patterns. But if you go check out our YouTube channel, John has some videos about latte art and he's a lot better at it than I am. Um, so that is worth giving look. So the next question that I have on our list here is um, what is, we have uh, Rocket Espresso is one of our favorite um, semi-automatic espresso machines, as you might have seen and guessed if you follow our content. They have a machine line. They have two machines called the Mazzafiato and the Giotto, and they offer a, a V version and an R version. And this is a, a question that pertains to more than just these two machines. Um, but uh, it's, it's easy to illustrate with those two machines because they have the two versions right there readily available. So um, a machine with a V at in the name, in this case, in this the case of Rocket anyway, um, you're talking about a vibratory pump. So the pump is the part, as you might guess, that pulls the water from the source, whether it's a reservoir or um, a water line, and then moves it through the water system and, and pushes the water into the brew group and the puck of espresso and uh, et cetera, and then you get, and you get your, your brew. Um, so a vibratory pump is a, uh, a little piston that pulls in water and pushes water through. And it's, it's fine for working with a reservoir um, because there's not a pressure coming into it. And um, it, it's a part that is really easy to replace. They're generally pretty small, so they fit in smaller machines like the Apartamento. Uh, and they're typically what you're going to find on most home espresso machines because they handle a volume of like 30 shots a day okay, um, which is probably a lot more than you're even going to need to do. Um, and they can even go a little higher than that. Uh, <clears throat> but they are not suited for a commercial environment at all, any kind of high volume environment. Even if you say to yourself, well, I only do like 30 shots a day. I could use an apartamento in my cafe. No, I, I would not recommend um, a machine with a vibratory pump in any kind of commercial setting because uh, it's just not designed to handle the kind of load uh, and the kind of the not just um, the the overall shots per day. That doesn't isn't necessarily the thing that matters. It's also doing it repeatedly um, several times in a row. At home, you might make three or four drinks in a row. That's one thing. If you're making 10 to 15 drinks in a row, then you're starting to put strain on components, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of reasons why uh, you wouldn't want a home machine in a commercial environment, and that's just one of them. But for home machines, vibratory pumps work really well, and uh, their biggest downside is just that they really can't handle the pressure of a water line coming in, um, pushing water into the system. Um, they, uh, th for that, you need to have a rotary pump, which is the R in a Mazzafiato or Giotto R. Uh, and the rotary pump in those machines is similar to, but a little bit smaller than the, uh, the pumps that are in Rockets, uh, Rocket Espresso's commercial machines. Um, the, 
they're still the same uh, in terms of their design and uh, and component quality. So it's basically like what you're getting. It's kind of a commercial style pump. But rotary pumps have sort of um, the AA rotor, uh, as you would expect, and uh, and a separate motor that's pretty powerful. And so that's taking the water in and pushing it through the system uh, instead, sort of like a little propeller. And um, those machines can handle a plumbed-in water line, uh, and the pumps are a little larger, but they're going to be more durable and more uh, capable of handling the volume that you need in a commercial environment. So for your home machines, um, in most cases, you're going to be dealing with a vibratory pump until you get into the more expensive uh, machines. And uh, if you're making a choice between pump styles on a machine, just know that if you're never planning on plumbing it in and just you just want to use a water reservoir, that a vibratory pump is plenty fine for what you're doing. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily make sense to pay extra for a rotary pump. But if there are other features you're interested in or you have the intent to plumb the machine at some point, then you will need a rotary pump because you just can't with a vibratory pump. There are some aftermarket kits that allow you to do that. I wouldn't recommend them unless they also involve replacing the pump uh, because a vibratory pump can uh, can can really struggle with all of that pressure coming in from a water line. So not recommended. So the next question is a big one. Uh, it's a big one and it's one that comes up all the time. And that is how long do coffee beans last? So I like to think of coffee in a way that's sort of similar to um, to, to medicine, not in terms of uh, flavor. Coffee is much tastier, but um, in terms of expiration, basically the fresher the coffee, the better. As long as you're storing the coffee in an okay environment, it's not going to go bad uh, over the course of a couple of months. Um, sometimes even I've had coffee that's been three months old and it's from the roaster and it's been fine. It hasn't tasted as good as a fresh roast, but, um, but it's been fine. Uh, and you know, sometimes when you're talking about like Italian coffees, they keep, they list expiration dates on them that are like years out. So, um, it's definitely not a question of the coffee, like going bad. Um, what you are going to experience over time is as the coffee loses its freshness, it's just not going to taste as good. Um, it's not going to be as uh, aromatic. It's not going to give you the same set of flavors. It's going to start to get a little bland and, and uninteresting. So ways that you can prevent this are, uh, or the big way, is to get a coffee container specifically for coffee and store your coffee in there. Usually there's vacuum sealed ones that you can get. Uh, there's, I think fellow makes one and there's the airscape canisters uh, from planetary design. These are great canisters that will keep your coffee fresher for longer because they're removing air from the equation and, and keeping the, the coffee, uh, sealed up tight. Um, I would recommend making sure before you store any coffee in a container like that, that it is fully degassed, which it probably is if you order it from someplace like us. But um, after the coffee's roasted, there's a short period where it needs to release gases. That's what the little vent on your specialty coffee bags is for. I always thought that they were just for, um, for, for smelling the coffee, which they're good for that too, but they also vent the gases out uh, so that the coffee develops its full flavor and it, it releases all of the flavors that that come from um, kind of unwanted gases. So 
Um, make sure that your coffee has rested for, you know, a few days in the bag. Uh, again, if you're getting it from someplace like us, if you're having a ship to you, it probably is already pretty well degassed. But if you're going to the roaster directly to buy it, um, you might want to ask them how long you should let it rest before you put it in a container. Once you put it in a container, I've had coffee out of a, like a canister container like that, that's air sealed for months afterwards. And it's been fine. Um, it tastes as maybe not quite as good as the day it was roasted, but it's going to taste, uh, really good um or i should say within a few days of it being roasted it's going to taste really good and not be missing too much in terms of flavor um and uh so that's really what it comes down to is how fresh is your coffee not what is the point in which it goes bad of course coffee can go rancid like any other kind of nut or bean and so you know if you have if you find coffee that's been sitting for a long time i would check it but um, some coffees also, like Italian coffees, are vacuum like sealed and nitrogen flushed as part of the process of of um, of packaging them, and those coffees last a really long time, uh, even longer than what you would get from like a, a typical specialty roaster. So, yeah, that is uh, that is my suggestion for my my complicated answer for how long does coffee last. So we talked about this in our Super Auto episode, but another one that we have is. Um, can you use oily beans in a super auto? We tell people pretty just hard. No, uh, I'll keep it kind of simple on these, but the oily beans can clog up the grinder in a super auto. So you don't want to use them. Um, even like if some people will say like, Oh, you could use one bag of oily beans, every 10 bags of regular beans. I would just say, don't use them at all. If you really want to enjoy like dark roasted oily beans, even though they say they're for espresso roasts a lot of the time, I personally don't think that they make particularly good espresso. If anything, they usually work well in like a press or a drip brewer. Um, try them there. Stick to like a good medium roast for your super automatic. It's just going to protect the machine long term and you're not going to run into any warranty issues or have the grinder seize up on you. Um, so just just keep it that way. You can use grinds to clean out some oil if you make a mistake. Uh, super grinds, I should say, from Ernex. But um, but generally, we just would say stick to the medium roasts in your super automatic espresso machine. So this next one is a big one. Uh, we've only got a couple more here, but uh, it is a question of flavoring in coffee. So sometimes we see uh, people who wonder if roasts that we have that that's have notes like tobacco uh, or that say like bourbon somewhere on the bag have alcohol or tobacco in them. The answer is no. Uh, at Seattle Coffee Gear, we don't sell any coffees that have flavors added to them um, or have any kind of additives except for one chicory coffee, which does have chicory added to it, excuse me. But otherwise, we don't uh, we do not do any kind of flavored coffee at SCG. Um, obviously, flavored coffee exists. There's places that do like chocolate flavored coffee, um, and those do have flavors infused into the beans. But in the case of Seattle Coffee Gear and most specialty coffee, you're probably just seeing the tasting notes. Uh, tasting notes are sort of like wine or um, even uh, I'm trying to think about like certain kinds of certain beers and stuff um, will have notes that are listed on the packaging that are just sort of what the roaster tastes when they cupped the coffees and tasted them. Um 
So it's to give you an idea of like the kind of flavors you can expect out of the coffee, not things that were actually added to the coffee. So it also means that if you see something that's like, um, like, you know, cream, raspberries and milk chocolate, it might not necessarily taste like it would if you if you made that, if you mix those things in a bowl. But it's going to have little notes of those of those different flavors. And um, and, and it depends on the roaster. Some roasters I find match my palate really closely some of them don't so it's all down to your individual palate and the palate of the person that was cupping and and um and coming up with the notes for the coffee um we have been involved in like listing notes before and sometimes it can be a little bit challenging you need a really well-developed palate and it's just kind of like you know well i taste this i taste this what's kind of in the middle of that and what where can we compromise and say oh yeah yeah actually no i see what you're saying it's those kinds of conversations um, when it comes to listing the notes but again we don't sell any coffee with flavors added uh, or with any kind of additives and if you see bourbon on the bag somewhere it's probably talking about the varietal the the sort of the, the plant varietal the the specific um, coffee plant itself. There's uh, varietals named like pink bourbon and, and stuff. Um, so that's probably what you're seeing when you see that listed on a coffee bag. So our last question is kind of a, uh, a big one. We'll talk a little bit about it. We've talked, I think, about dialing in before. Um, but the question is, why are my shots sour or bitter? Um, sour and bitter shots are the result of poor extraction. So it means that you're either under extracting or over extracting the coffee. So under extraction obviously means that the, the, the coffee, the, the water isn't getting, uh, enough bonding with the coffee as it goes through, passes through the coffee. So. I think something that's useful is to try just try to like sort of logic it out a little bit and think about it. And if you think about it, what you will um, what you'll where you'll get to is, okay, we've got water coming in uh, in our espresso machine being pumped through the coffee. Um, If the coffee is not ground fine enough or it's not tamped tight enough, then it's going to result in the water just kind of passing through it without fully bonding with the coffee. So that's usually why you have a sour shot is because the grind needs to be a little finer or the tamp needs to be a little tighter. It's usually a grind issue. Tamping is important and it's important to learn the proper pressure for tamping, but um, but it's almost always going to be a grind issue if you're noticing it in your um, in, in your shot flavor, um, if, it, if it is too sour. Um, on the other hand, you have your bitter shots. Now, this is going to be the result of over extraction. So as you can guess, one end of the spectrum is that it needs to be a finer grind. If your coffee is over extracted, you need to loosen up the grind a little bit um, because what's happening is the coffee is basically getting stopped up in or the water is getting stopped up in the coffee and it's really having a hard time pulling through and it's getting really bitter as it over extracts coffee molecules uh, and passes through into the cup. Um, you can usually tell if a shot's going to be under or over extracted when you watch it come out. If it just like immediately starts dripping out of the portafilter and then sort of flowing, um, then you know that you probably have an under extracted shot if it like all the water dumps through and flows through in like 10 seconds. On the other end, if the water takes like 
15 to 20 seconds to start or the coffee takes that long, the espresso shot takes that long to come out of the portafilter, you're probably going to be looking at an over-extracted shot. Um, once you get a shot that's in that sweet spot of like 20 to 30 seconds and it looks good, uh, you can adjust based on flavor from there um, and and use those kind of tighter for a sour under-extracted shot um, and then a, a less fine grind for a uh, over-extracted or bitter shot. Uh, and eventually you'll get a feel for it and you'll get a taste for it. Um, different grinders make it easier to do this. Different machines uh, make can make it easier to understand the process. Uh, but that's, that's the general answer to the question. So we'll do another one of these in the future probably, whether it's just me or if I get somebody else on to do some, some Q&A. Um, but thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Seattle Coffee Gear podcast. If you have questions you'd like to read in a future episode that's like this, or even if it's just a future episode that is um, that, that, that we just are doing a normal topic on, please drop us a line to questions at seattlecoffeegear.com. If you have enjoyed this episode, make sure you let us know in a review on your podcast platform of choice and tell a friend if you can, because we do love getting new listeners. And for all of your coffee needs, be sure to check out seattlecoffeegear.com. Head over to our blog and YouTube for more educational and informative content about all things coffee. And we will see you in a couple weeks for our next episode. Thanks. Thanks.